0: You're listening to In The Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast, In The Open, with Teresa in America.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: On this episode, we're going to continue the topic of trauma, but we are going to transition to healing, which we did last week. And so today we're talking about changing the thoughts you tell yourself. America, I think it's important to let people know that if you have ever listened to us in the past, back in November of 2021, so about a year ago, America and I did a series called Common Intrusive Thoughts. And talked a lot about intrusive thinking and how to overcome specific kinds of intrusive thoughts. I think what distinguishes today for me, America, is that we are talking about the way changing our thinking is tied to trauma that we experienced.
1: Yep. I would say so. Okay. I'm thinking of how that plays out in my life. Can so I share some
0: thoughts? Because I go, I recently went through something. Everybody knows I've been working on myself. <laughs>
1: But one of the
0: things I found was so interesting because I am a clinician and I've worked with people who have to um, change their thoughts. So when we think about common intrusive thoughts or thinking traps or what therapy calls cognitive restructuring, if you're new to mental health, I think it's important for you to know that those terms are what a therapist uses when you go to therapy. And a lot of this work is in the theory or working model that we call cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like people who are new to mental health often, I think that they find aha moments when they go look online and they learn about cognitive behavioral therapy. And and a lot of what we've talked about in terms of cognitive restructuring comes from cognitive restructuring, changing intrusive thinking comes from that theory. But taking a trauma-informed approach is something that I do don't hear a lot of therapists talk about.
1: Tied to cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm just going to tell a story. So I know in the past we've talked about like, okay, write down the thoughts that you have that are negative and then think about a better healthy thought. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, okay, write down the healthy thought on a post-it because that's what you need to practice telling yourself in your head. Like we have worksheets, like our that we can post for this link for people who want to practice just like what it means to take a healthy thought and unhealthy thought and change it in your mind. But I had a recent moment that felt very personal for putting into reality what for me felt like what therapists called being your stuck point, where for months I could tell that I wasn't feeling well.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I was telling you like, man, I think I'm feeling depressed, like something, remember? Yeah. In the last three months, right? And honestly, what I know now looking back a little bit was it was my trauma, maybe because the stupid podcast and you're making me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Unearth all this stuff, which is what therapy looks like. Like all of it started just being so intense. And I, in my head and in my heart, I knew that something was bothering me and I was being emotionally sensitive. So my husband was like, what's going on with her? Got to stay out of the way. Mm -hmm. And then I had this one moment where something happened to me and I just started to cry for like (laughs) four hours that day, just could not hold it in anymore. Interesting. And I had to take a step back and be like, what is the thought And it's so funny because it goes back to one thought that I shared with you when we did intrusive thinking that continued to this moment to be my stuck point. And it was no one cares about me
1: Hmm.
0: or like I don't belong anywhere because nobody cares about me and I don't know where I belong. What I realized is that just mattered to me because of the things that were happening, but I never worked through it enough to finally get to a place where I felt
1: safe or okay mm-hmm. so then this event that kind of smacked you in the face with the emotion of it was it something that was just kind of part of your day-to-day or did somebody say something to you or it was something so normal mm-hmm.
0: that my brain exploded okay basically it was akin to not being invited to the barbecue okay okay and like that they felt the little a little left out Yeah. FOMO, like these events, they have a way. In the end, like who cares? Do you really care about – I had to really ask myself like, why did I care so much? Do I really feel left out because I'm hurt or do I care because there's something deeper? Mm. And the answer is that I did care that I was left out and I still have to reckon with that, but I cared too much because of the something deeper. And the reaction that I'm having to this is exaggerated. because it's tied to a trauma issue that I need to work out because no person or no group of people can could have given me what I gave me. And in fact, because I put so much weight on these things, I was probably becoming overbearing in those relationships. So yeah, they're going to freaking be
1: like, mm, we don't want to hang out with you anymore. Every time we hang out with you, it's too much. I think the normalcy of, of that encounter makes even more sense for me because – in our kind of day to day, we may forego really feeling things because we're so accustomed to just letting it go by, you know? And it's not until the one thing that maybe is so normal and banal and has no importance that knocks you and you're like, wait, why, why does that bother me so much? Why do I care so damn much? Like, why am I getting so mad about this thing? It, it's funny because I had a similar situation where I had I had offered my help to someone, not that they asked for it. It wasn't like that. It was, I saw a need that existed for somebody else. And I was like, well, I can help you with that. And I went out of my way to help them. And when in, in my doing so, when I got there to help them, they were like, oh, well, we already found a solution. And I was like, why don't you tell nobody? Like, I wouldn't have come all this way. I didn't get like angry. You know, I was just like, okay, well, make a decision. Like, I'm here. You can you need me now or you don't need me yet. Like, make a decision. They're like, uh, uh, you know, like vacillating between the two. And I was like, in my mind, I didn't say this, but I was like, You've you've put me in a position where I have to basically make the decision for you because you didn't have the wherewithal to be like no i don't need you right now thank you so much whatever and i was yeah. like dude i just need to make a decision like yes no so i can dip right <laughs> and in the end they're like i'm so sorry um no they didn't even say they were sorry they said thanks so much bye basically and i was like okay
0: <laughs> i have to ask you a question yeah because for me, at least, I recognize that this ties to some recent conversations we've had about how much it matters for you that your opinion is valued. So when I hear you tell that story, mm-hmm. there's elements of that in the beginning, but then where it landed was you need to make a decision. So when you said that mm-hmm. was the you need to make a decision is a reaction to the anger you initially felt or is the you need to make a decision also a second issue that you have
1: no um after this after the situation happened immediately i called my best friend one of my best friends and i was like yo this just happened am i interpreting this wrong and you know And she was like, no, they should have, if they knew that they already had somebody that was going to help them, they should have called you, notified you in some way, said, thank you for offering, but no, thank you. Yeah. So for me, where the the crux exists is, this is what I said to my best friend. I put myself in these situations because I want to help people. And I expect that people are going to not only appreciate that help, but be cognizant of what it also takes to be able to offer help. Okay. So I I I don't need I don't need the thank you. That's not what I'm looking for. What I what I would have liked is for the person to be like, oh damn, man, I am sorry. That was inconsiderate. That's fine. They would have said that, I would have been like, Yeah, it's all right, you know, it happens.
0: Okay, so I'm a I'm gonna ask you a question again then. Yeah. So I think it, I think this is a great example because when you think about changing the thoughts that you tell yourself, so much of therapy, it's easy to focus on these big things that I showed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But your example is really important because, like, being not invited to a party might feel like not a big deal, but it could also feel like a big deal. But your situation is something we run across through all the time, which is about it, it's for me it's a little it's interesting because it's gray, right? Feeling respected for your time Mm -hmm. is important for Mm -hmm. all of us. But I'm going to ask you a question. Did your feeling or your reaction or your mood Mm -hmm. when when they revealed to you that they didn't think about you, Uh could you tell that it was tapping something deeper? An example of deeper is let's just say you had five more bad things happen to you. (laughs) <laughs> that week or that day, is this the kind of situation that would ultimately make you
1: yes. cry
0: or fall apart?
1: Um, yes, I I would have. If there would have been other things that happened during the day and like this is the icing on the cake that's like, you put yourself out there to help people all the time and mm-hmm. look what happens. I would yeah. have been super angry. Yeah, and it's tied to something around my expectation of how I give of myself and what I expect of others.
0: And can you think of where you,
1: where in that your comes past from? life,
0: yeah, where that came from? Because basically this session that we have is what therapy looks like to unpack how our current thoughts affect our behaviors and how those are tied to past experiences, right? So-
1: Yes. Mm. Hold on. Let me answer the question because it's coming to me. Yeah. It's tied to the fact that when I was younger, I was put into positions where I had to simply acquiesce to somebody else's needs. Mm. Like my mom and others would be like, oh, America can do that. She can Mm. do that. Not even considering- America as a whole person by herself. And this is from me, from like teens up through me being an adult, where they would be like, oh, America has the answer. America can help you. America. And so that mm-hmm. became such a like, that's the through line. America's available to help anybody. Yeah. So when I do decide to give of myself and support and help someone or whatever, the time that I'm dedicating to that. Is something else that I could be doing for myself or for whatever I wanted, you know? Yeah. That's where that comes from.
0: That's really good, you know, because I think a lot of people probably relate to that when huh, one of the things I often ask clients or friends when they are in your role is, mm. did you have siblings that were also a hot mess or people in your family that were a hot mess because you're the fixer of mm-hmm. the family, you know? Mm-hmm you're yes. the fixer and your mother has offered you up a sacrificial lamb <laughs> yes to fix everything because you're
1: organized we're leaning on your strength yes and that that tends to be the case so for me that the trauma exists in if you break it down even further in in my ability now to be able to create harder boundaries and when I let those boundaries fall just a little bit, sure enough, the universe comes back as like, hey, you dropped that for a minute. Here's another example of what not to do.
0: You know what really is so interesting, too, is because the fact that you were put in the helper role so many times probably created the organizational person you are today. So it became a reinforcing mm. problem for you, right? Mm-hmm. Someone mm-hmm. saw you early on as a good problem solver. So they gave you totally. all their problems to solve. And then you did become a really good problem solver. So then you said, how is problem solving not part of my identity? So yeah, there's so, so much to unpack there for you.
1: The other thing too um- – because I share this experience with my fiance. And you know what he said to me? He said, don't be upset by the goodness that you're giving out into the world. And I was like. (laughs) How did that ring for you? (laughs) I was like, okay, thanks so much. You philosophized about this one experience, you know? And I was just like, I, I got what he meant. And at the same time, I was just like, yeah, I know that. But I also know that I have to stick to the boundaries that I set for a reason.
0: Yeah. I love that he gave you the most trite response because we are given a ton of trite reactions. But when you hear someone give you a trite response and you follow that response with a breath and not an aha. Yeah. (laughs) It also tells me something else is happening here. like. You cannot solve this problem with a trite,
1: (laughs) supportive
0: gratitude statement.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, all right.
0: Yeah. Because I think even with my husband after me having a full-on crying moment, the same thing. Because, yeah, you know, they our family, they don't want us to suffer. So they want to say they're going to respond with what they think is going to help us and and do. And you're like, this is something bigger.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, and – To his credit, he he saw that I was – I wasn't, like, upset. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, I was maybe at a 2, you know, where I could easily go to 9. And he was just like, okay, babe, it's all right, you know? (laughs) But it it sticks out as really as one of these examples that we're we're focused on today. The change in thought patterns that have to occur so we don't get bogged down in it. Yeah. And I also like the example that you gave because – that release of trauma that exists in your body, there was nothing you could do because y- you couldn't hold it in anymore. Like You had to let it go. And for whatever reason, I didn't realize that even though I had
0: said it out loud to you a year ago, that I was still avoiding it.
1: Mm, that's very powerful.
0: I know I was emotional, but I wasn't letting it go. I wasn't really... In fact, maybe that was a trigger for me holding on to it tighter in a different way and led to the... I'm going to say maybe this is something that I think is important, which is it's not up to my partner. It's not up to your partner to solve those problems. They're just trying to do the best they can
1: mm-hmm.
0: with the things that that we put out, right? It's ultimately up to me to work through the hard questions. And at least for me coming out on the other side, what I will say is today I have processed that stuck point more than I did a year ago but I'm probably not done. I think an old person me would have said, oh, great. I revealed that uh, insight. And Mm. now I could put it back on the shelf and never have to deal with it ever again. (laughs) An old person me would have hoped that that would have been true because I also put so much meaning on some final end as being recovery. Yeah, And then life keeps showing me over and over again, like, First of all, trauma wouldn't be trauma if you could just like sweep put it, it away on shelf and yeah. figure out, like, oh, have that insight and you're good, you know? No, therapy teaches me the skills so that every time it happens, I'm less devastated each time. <laughs> I just can recover faster and maybe
1: care about it just a little bit less. And it's a lot like grief. Just
0: hopefully next time it won't make me cry so hard. I don't know.
1: You know, when, uh, both you and I have gone to couples housing, right? Not together, but with our <laughs> significant other. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the conversation that oftentimes gets embedded in, in that therapeutic work environment is the the words that our partners say to us and how we respond. Yeah. And for me, I, it comes immediately to mind this uh, interaction that we had um, in this la- in the last week and. One of the things that our therapist has said, why do you always have the need to respond? You can just take in what the person says. You don't have to say anything. Mm. And we had this interaction where I was like, he's saying something and I was saying, and I wanted to defend. And I was like, shut up. It was so hard, so hard. But it ties to that continuous work that you're talking about. Yeah, You might not get it right every single one of the times when it comes up again. There may be opportunities that I'm just like, forget it. I'm not shutting up. I have to say what I have to say. We're going to go with whatever happens. And other times you're just like, okay, fine. I'm just going to let it sit. Yeah. And that's really hard as you move on. And then when I look back, I'm like, that was a smart thing to do you didn't really need to say anything. Good job, yeah. you know. Gold star.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that reaction to say something and to get defensive when you we all we've often talked about how we we talk today about how having a big emotional reaction is probably a good sign that something is deeper, but to make the choice to not say something from an inside brain issue is also the question I have in my head about, do I avoid this right now and put it back on the shelf? Do I lean in and really try to process it? Or do I make an excuse and just find another reason to eat a whole bag of Cheetos, <laughs> which is like an extra Completely. layer of putting it on the shelf, which is yeah. like the worst of my past behaviors for... Fell into weird combo number three where I'm like, I'm putting on the shelf, but I'm not putting on the shelf because I'm going to let myself sit here and think about it for 50 hours while <laughs> eating a bag of Cheetos. Yeah. And so I'm going to let myself ruminate and think negatively about this. Yeah. I feel sorry for myself.
1: But that's that's the work though, isn't it though, babe? For you to be able to be like right now, like. Uh,
0: no, affirm- I'm going to say, I don't know. At least today, I think there's two options you can fully avoid or you could do the hard work. But when you do the hard work, you have minutes, micro minutes of decisions. Part of the hard work looks like productive, good hard work, or it looks like destructive, self-destructive hard work. Mm -hmm. Either way, I'm thinking. Yes. (laughs) But one gets me to a better place and the other one perpetuates my depression, right? Mm -hmm. And -hmm. I think for the last year, I've done basically spent a year combo avoiding and not positive thinking. Until it just started to like that. We talk about the metaphor of packing it in until I exploded in the month prior to me crying. I'd been crying a ton for the same issue where I was like, like I said, I was like, Bye. I feel like I re- reached a breaking point on this one issue. You know, my body said, screw it. If you're not going to work it out and it's starting to impair all your other relationships, we're going to just make you cry. So then I finally shifted to more productive, healthier processing.
1: (laughs) I think how it stands out in my head is like when you're avoiding, there are reasons why you're avoiding. Whether you may not be prepared to fully engage in that work like you're talking about. Or the other one, you're like not even being prepared. You don't have the energy and the power to trudge through Having the same conversation or whatever. Or the insight.
0: Yes. I don't even know that I realized how much of a problem it was until it really became a problem that I realized I had to confront. My husband was like, man, you know, I'm sitting with you and I feel like I wanted to say this to you for months (laughs)
1: now. (laughs) It's like, wow.
0: But I didn't know how to put my finger on what was going on either. I never really understood why you were – investing in those relationships the way you were (laughs) and then it opened all kinds of things for him because i'm like wow i don't think i was ready emotionally i don't think i had energy to i was dealing with other stuff and as a factor of that because of that i don't think i had the awareness that
1: it was an issue
0: so i could not have known enough to bring it up to a therapist to say
1: that's a very interesting point because there, I think there's a lot of expectation that we as individuals know how to talk about whatever it is that's bothering us like so easily. Here's the recipe. You talk about one, two, three, and, and that's not the case. It really is hard to dig in and be like, oh, wow, let me let me think about this a little bit more and let me think about that a little more. And then it creates a whole web of stuff that's connected to this one thing. But out of that experience for me, I think what is has been most useful is definitely having someone there that they may not always ask the right things, but they're pushing me and being attentive to the fact that I may need a little pushing, or I may just need people to give me space. I think that's really important. And then recognizing for myself that changing my thoughts has, within the last two years, I think there's been a lot of work for me in that area because my thoughts are then connected to the actions that I engage in. And whenever I struggle, I'm like, God, don't be so hard on yourself, man. Look, you're you're making progress. Look. And that, I think, is important. We, we forget about that all the time.
0: Yeah. One thing I really appreciate about this conversation, this is my final thought, is that In therapy, a lot of the solutions are packaged up in these nice bows. And then as a person who's on the other side who sits there as the client or whatever, (laughs) then we think that there's some expectation that these solutions are supposed to be easy. Like if I fill out this worksheet, I'm going to have an aha moment and it's going to be great. And I appreciate that here we've kind of walked through what It looks like to do the hard work of changing your thoughts and how actually therapy is 5% of the experience because 95% of the experience is the way we take it home and we sit with it and we practice and you cry and you succeed and you make mistakes and you learn and it's not a worksheet.
1: Yeah. it's, it's It's not just one thing. You can't discount the value in those types of tools, but it is one piece of the entire pizza pie. Well, I am sorry that
0: you were offered a sacrifice to solve everyone's problems, and you are valuable, and your time is valuable, and more importantly,
1: taking care of yourself is important. Thanks. It, It is important. And I'm glad... I'm really glad that you were able to, like, lock in, you know, and move. You can move from there. Like, busting up that asteroid and be like, yeah.
0: I know. I've been doing that with you.
1: It's good. I hate
0: that you've made me start on this journey, but maybe it was a gift from the universe.
1: All right. Well, we're going to talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep fighting in the open.